0: Father, we thank You for Your great grace. We thank You for gathering Your people this day. Father, we thank You for the blessing of fellowship, friendship, food together. Father, we thank You for feeding us from Holy Scripture. We pray that You would feed us some more. Bless Your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I, I feel like I have something this afternoon for someone that's here but I'm not sure who. And I think I have something for you that might change your life. And so I think you should listen carefully, very carefully. I want to talk to our young people this afternoon, and you older folks can listen in as well. So listen, young folks, I want to talk to you about this topic. Finding God's will for your life. Finding God's will for your life. And what I want to tell you is this. Are you listening? You don't have to do that. You don't have to find God's will for your life. You might think, well, why do we need to talk about this? And I think one of the main reasons that we need to talk about this is that often, whether we realize it or not, our conception of God, our modern conception of God, has been influenced by heretics. As Americans living in the 21st century, seeing what we see, hearing what we can hear, it's almost inescapable that our conception of the Almighty has been influenced by what I consider to be the greatest heresy of our day. And I believe that the greatest heresy of our day is the so-called charismatic movement. My brothers and sisters, listen, I know that there are some who would say to me, well, we're all Christians and we shouldn't judge our brothers. And there's Surely some bad fruit from that charismatic movement, but it's not really that bad. And beloved, I'm not one of those. I'm not one of those at all. In his exhortation to elders, Christ's apostle Peter commands, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. 1 Peter five two New International Version. And here, the Apostle Paul's exhortation to elders. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which He has purchased with His own blood. For I know this that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you and not spare the flock. Also of your own self shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I did not stop to warning you every night and day with tears. Acts chapter 20 verses 28 through 31. So part of my duty and part of Bill's duty as elders, as under-shepherds in this church is to keep our eyes open for wolves. Be they human wolves or philosophical wolves or theological wolves that would disturb God's sheep. Like good Shepherds, we are to warn the sheep of danger, and if we see a wolf, especially a wolf in sheep's clothing, you remember Jesus warned about those? Matthew 7:15. Well, we're to point that wolf in sheep's clothing out so that the sheep won't be harmed by it. The charismatic movement of our day is a wolf in sheep's clothing. And I don't want to wear you out, but I will continue to warn you about it, saints. The charismatic movement, listen, it has so corrupted the scriptural image of God and so misrepresented the priorities of the Christian life that the God that the charismatic movement preaches is what the great Apostle Paul, I believe, would call another Jesus. Now listen, young ones. The another Jesus that Paul warned the Corinthians about is a Jesus who's not the Jesus of the Holy Scriptures. He's a Jesus who has been made up by false teachers. Teachers who will tell you that God wants you rich. God wants you to never be sick. God wants you to be in a state of ecstatic joy all the time. And listen, young ones, those are lies that originated in the pits of hell. Let me tell you something. Here's the truth. This is the truth. If God wants you to be rich, you will be rich. If God doesn't want you to be sick, then you will never get sick. And if God wants you in a state of exa- ecstatic joy, you will be in a state of ecstatic joy. I, I believe that the charismatic movement is the greatest and most dangerous heresy of our day, of my lifetime. And I believe that it is corrupt and false and a purveyor of another Jesus. And it distresses me that sound Christians even countenance it at all. It distresses me when fine Christian people who know the truth about God don't forcefully condemn this charismatic foolishness. Rather recently, I read from a Christian philosopher that I've read and respected a lot, and he said, quote, "I believe that the Pentecostal and charismatic movements of the 20th century are key renewal movements for the expansion of the kingdom of God." That blew me away because of other stuff that this guy said. It blew me away when I read it. It distressed me because this guy's brilliant. <laughs> And much of what I've read from him has blessed me greatly. It bothers me when great preachers of the gospel of grace say that they are cautious but open towards charismatic foolishness. I'm, I'm glad that men like Martin Luther and John Calvin weren't cautious but open to the Roman Catholic Church's heretical sale of indulgences. I'm glad they weren't cautious but open to that. I'm glad. Uh, I don't agree with everything that they say, but I rejoice that men like John MacArthur and Hank Hanegraaff have called the charismatic movement what it is. Chaos and foolishness. And brothers and sisters, I don't think you should be cautious and open to it. I believe you should be like a wall against it. It is the heresy of our generation. But listen, beloved. The influence of this movement, this charismatic movement, is pervasive. And it has invaded Orthodox Christianity surreptitiously, insidiously, that is, sneakily, And whether you like it or not, it often affects the way that you think about God. The way that I think about God. And please understand what I'm saying. I'm saying that false ideas about God, ideas that you and I can see are wrong if we stop and think about it. False ideas about God are so common today that they can sneak in and affect the way that we think about God. Wrongly. In a wrong way. And listen, young ones, you, you young people, you are especially vulnerable to wrong ideas. Just because you haven't been alive long enough to hear some of the crazy things that we've heard. Because we have been alive longer. And you young ones, just because you haven't been around long, sometimes there are things I can point to or your parents could point to and say, that's just foolishness. And those things might not seem that way to you, but they will after you've lived a little bit longer. You'll be able to point them out just like I can and say, that's, that's just foolishness. And listen, some of those things have to do with God. So, young folks, listen, I want to talk to you especially this afternoon because I love you. And I know it's hard for you to believe, but it wasn't that long ago that I was young like you. And Michael and Olivia and Roy and Samuel and Isaac, Hannah, Catherine. You young ones. Let me remind you about some things about our great God. The God that I worship, the God that we worship here, He is in the heavens and He does whatever He pleases. Our God is in the heavens. He has done whatsoever He hath pleased. Psalm 115. Listen, young people. Our God lives forever forever. And His dominion is an everlasting dominion. He's in charge of everything. And His kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the people on this planet, they're like nothing. They're like nothing compared to the Almighty. He is the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose very name is Holy. Holy. And He doeth according to His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay His hand or say unto Him, What doest thou? Daniel 4.35 He rules in the armies of heaven and in the minutia on the earth He controls everything. There is nothing and no one no body, no person greater than He is. And there is no one who has the standing to ask Him, what are you doing? Are you sure that's right? Even rock and rollers understand this. You two had it right when Bono said, the God who I believe in isn't short of cash, mister. Listen, things fall to the ground because our God has created, ordained, and instituted what we call the law of gravity. That's the reason our God decides what is right. Listen, and He decides what's wrong. He decides that. He says something is right, that is ethical. And because He has said so, it is He says something is wrong. That something is sin. And just because He said so, it is. Listen, there is no higher reason. Are you listening? There is no higher reason at all for a thing to be right or a thing to be wrong than the fact that God has said so. He said this is right and that is wrong. There is no higher judge Than our God. What I mean by that, listen, there's no Platonic ideal. There's no abstract idea like justice that God can be held accountable to. Justice doesn't judge God, God makes justice. There is no one and no thing higher than He is to hold Him accountable. Listen, do you understand this? He is accountable to no one, for no one can hold Him to account. Your daddy can hold you to account. He can call you and say, explain to me what you did. Why? No one can call God to account. Listen, He is unaccountable. No one can judge God. He is the judge. He is the standard. God's the one who makes justice and things are right or things are wrong just because God said so. He's God. The Bible teaches that our God can speak things into existence. That should blow your mind. The Bible teaches the worlds were framed by the Word of God. The Bible teaches that when God said, let there be light, what happened? Well, it doesn't give me a subatomic particle explanation. It's just there, there was light. He said, let there be light, and there it was. He's God. He is the ground of all being. And in Him, we live and move and have our being. Listen, we are contingent, we humans. We're contingent. We are dependent upon something else for our existence. The only reason you exist is because of God. You're contingent. He's not. He is not. He isn't dependent upon anything. He exists. He just is. I mean, even His name is, I Am. Young people, listen. We believe these things. We believe these things. We believe in a God that is really worthy to be called God. Several years ago, I studied philosophy of religion for quite a while, actually. I read a lot. And in this book, I remember in this book, there's a whole section that I read whole bunch of collected essays in a section under the title, What Would Anything Have to Be Like in Order to Be God? What would anything have to be like in order to be God? I can't remember all the details now, but I came away convinced that the God that we worship here is really worthy of the title God. But what a lot of people worship is not not worthy to be called God. Personally, I'm convinced that the Armenian God is a little g God. See, in my book, uh, God, little g God, that wishes He could save people, Oh, I wish I could save them. (laughs) I just can't get it done. That being, whatever he or she or it is, it's not God with a capital G, and I won't worship such a being, and you shouldn't either. Our Our Savior said, All that the Father hath given me shall come to me. Our Savior said, No man can pluck them out of my hand. Now listen, people. Our God is great. Awesome. The Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Psalm 100, verse 3. The hearing ear and the seeing eye Jehovah hath made both of them. Proverbs 20.12 Our young people, listen, I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about it for a minute. If our God is as great and almighty and all-powerful as I've just said that He is, if He is, if He's the one who made your ears and He's the one who made your eyes and He's the one who made your mind Do you think that He can let you know what He wants you to know? Did you understand the question? The question is, if our God is as great as we just said He is, is He capable of letting you know what He wants you to know? Well, I I think the answer to that question is an obvious yes. Yes. So think with me. Is God capable of letting you know what His will for your life is? Or is that something hidden? Something that you'll have to search for if you want to find it. You see, when we talk about finding something, we talk about finding something that's either lost or something that's hidden, right? Right? I lost it. I got to find it. Or oh, we're going to play hide and go seek. I got to find them. Where are they? They're hiding. And I want to assert to you young people this afternoon that God's will for your life is not lost and it is not hidden. As a matter of fact, listen, if God ever hides something from you, you will never find it. Because he's God. And so I want to assert, I want to assert that this idea that is up to you to find God's will for your life, I want to say that is a wrong idea. It is a wrong, wrong, wrong idea. And listen, it's an idea that can cause great anxiety. You see, if you believe it's up to you to try to find God's will for your life, you might spend a lot of time and emotional energy trying to listen for voices in your head. How am I going to know? Or trying to feel a certain way. I just feel moved to, to do it. So I know. When the teaching of the Holy Scripture is that you should be living your life in wisdom. The idea of the will of God, that is certainly a biblical concept. Holy Scripture Scripture is filled with commandments, precepts, and promises where God tells us what He wants us to believe and what He wants us to do and what He wants us to not do. Listen, a lot of folks have strange ideas about the will of God. They seem to think that God's will is somewhere out there, waiting to be found. But here's some good news for you, young ones. Listen, here's some good news for you. The will of God is not like that. It's not like that. It's not the kind of thing that you have to look for and find. And it's not the kind of thing that you can miss. Listen, listen. You can't miss it. You cannot miss it. Let me tell you what you can do. What you can do is you can disobey God's revealed will. And that is sin. That's what you can do. But because God is God, you can never really miss His will, no matter what you do. You can't miss it. You see, in addition to God's revealed will, His commandments, His thou shalts and thou shalt nots, God has His hidden or secret or providential will. And we can only ever know about that retrospectively. That means after it's happened. That means we can know about it after it's happened, but not ever before. The Bible says, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children. Deuteronomy 29.29 So listen, when somebody says to me that they're seeking God's will, I wonder what it is that they're really looking for. do you mean? What what are you talking about? What do you mean? I know that they're not looking for His reveal will because you don't have to look for it. It's not lost. It's not hidden. You can read about it all right here in the Bible. And most of the time when someone's talking like that, they have a Bible. So what are you talking about? The the providential will of God? Well, you're not going to find that. You might as well stop looking. You're not going to find that. It's hidden from men. When a person says that they are trying to find the will of God, it seems that they're looking for some sort of extra kind of will. Some kind of will of God that's not in the Bible. And you see, brothers and sisters, I think think that a lot of this kind of thinking crept its way into Orthodox Christianity and into Orthodox Christian people's minds because of wrong ideas about God that have come from Charismania and Charismatic heresy. Young people, listen to me. Let me tell you something. The Gospel is good news. It's good news. And believing the Gospel sets people free. It makes them free to do right. It means that they are no longer slaves to sin. They're no longer in bondage to their fallen natures. They've been freed from slavery to sin, and they've become servants, love slaves, if you will, to God. And the Bible is filled with instructions about the things that God wants His people to do. There's this beautiful passage from the 6th chapter of Micah. And the prophet asks, "...wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, or with tens of thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression? Shall I give the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul?" That's verses 6 and 7. But then in verse 8, the old prophet gives the answer. And he says, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Now listen, listen. The will of God for your life and the will of God for my life is justice, mercy, kindness, and a humble walk with God. This is the will of the Lord for us. Listen, and it's not hidden. It's not lost. It's explicitly revealed to us in Holy Scripture. The Apostle Paul, echoing the teaching of the Savior, told the Galatians, all the law is fulfilled in one word. Just this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Galatians 5.14 So, young ones, listen. I have some really, really good counsel for you. Are you listening? I'm telling you this is good. I'm telling you it can change your life. Don't make things more complicated than they need to be. When somebody tries to make something really complicated, 99% of the time he's got something to sell. He's going to sell you. I know it's complicated, but if you buy this from me, it's going to be easy then. That's the counsel. Don't make things more complicated than they need to be. Listen, God wants you to love. That is His will for you. He wants you to love Him, and He wants you to love your neighbor. And if you need to know who your neighbor is, well, there's a Bible story about that. And you can read that story we usually call the story of the Good Samaritan. The young ones, listen, if you love mercy... If you love justice, if you walk humbly with your God, if you love God and love your neighbor, you're doing what God wants you to do. Listen to me. If someone is teaching you that you need to do more in order to be, quote, in the will of God, unquote, then he's teaching you something false. He's teaching you something that doesn't line up with the teaching of Holy Scripture. And and I would say to Him, don't make things more complicated than they need to be. Do you remember? It was the scribes and the Pharisees of whom Jesus, Jesus said, they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born, and then they lay them on men's shoulders. That was a criticism. Jesus made of them Matthew twenty three four, but our Lord Jesus, our precious Savior, He's the one who said, "Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest. Take My yoke upon you, learn of Me. I'm meek and lowly in the heart, and find rest unto your souls. My yoke it's easy." My burden is light. Matthew 11:28 through30. So listen, listen, young friends, stay with me, please. Christian life is not about playing hide-and-seek with God. It's not. If God wants to play hide-and-seek with you, you'll never find him. He's God. God hasn't hidden His will from you except His providential will, and you don't need to know that. Listen, you can't know that. So let me put this in a nutshell for you. Obedience to God's commands is enough. Obedience to God's command is enough. If He expected more from you, He would have said so. And I urge you, young people listen, do not let yourself be enslaved by men who would burden you down with heavy things when Jesus' burden is light. Praise God, the scribes and Pharisees are not our lords. King Jesus is our Lord, and his law is love, and his gospel is peace. And listen. I know that obeying God's commandments doesn't tell us what to do in every situation. And that's how this idea of, quote, finding God's will, that's how that that idea gets traction in people's minds. But because we all have decisions to make, right? Especially young folks. Should I go to college? Should I get married? Should I marry him? Should I marry her? Should I take this job? Should I quit that job? And I want to tell you something this afternoon that should be very freeing to you. If you're looking for a formula or a recipe, you're looking for the wrong thing. Please, please hear me. I love you. I want your burden to be light. And there are people in this world who will try to make it heavy. If you're looking for a formula or a recipe, you're looking for the wrong thing. Our Lord Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Matthew 6.33 And what were the things there? Well, They were the things that concerned His disciples. You know, things like food and clothes, a job, who to marry. Should I go to the fishing school and become a better fisherman? Young people, hear me please. There are a lot of people, there are a lot of people and a lot of preachers who would love to sell you something. But if you have ears to hear, please hear. There is no recipe. And you should save your money and not buy what they're selling. There's only wisdom. Wisdom. That grace from God that can enable us to discern a good decision from a bad decision. And I believe that the concept of wisdom is what's left out of all these quests to, quote, Find the will of God. Because you see, listen, when someone is attempting to, quote, find the will of God, what they're looking for is a guarantee that they won't make a mistake. Mm -hmm. And there are no guarantees. There are no guarantees. Listen, listen, young ones. Here's what you have. Here's what you have. What you have is the life that God has given you to live. That's what you've got. And He's made you a steward. And you have to live your life with the talents He's given you. And contrary, contrary to some of the charismatic foolishness that's about, He's not going to tell you every little thing to do. He's not going to give you the answer sheet to the test. You're going to have to study If you have your Bible, look to chapter 25. Matthew 25. And look down to verse 14 and hear a parable of our Lord. He said, "...the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered to them his goods. Unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one." to every man according to his ability. And straightway he took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made other five talents. And likewise he that had received two and gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time the Lord of those servants came and reckoned with them." So he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliveredst unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee. That thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, here thou hast that which is thine. His Lord answered and said to him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I would receive my own with interest. Take the talent from him, and give it to the one, him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance." But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now listen, there are many lessons in Jesus' parable, but the point that I want to focus on this afternoon is this one. Listen, the master didn't tell any of them exactly what to do. Did you notice that? He didn't say, invest in these three stocks. Right? He didn't say, go flip this apartment building. He didn't say, go start a small business. He didn't didn't tell them any of that stuff. But his expectation was that they would get after it. Do something. Right? And that last guy, the one who got punished... He didn't get punished for making a bad investment. Did you see that? He did not get punished for making a bad investment. He got punished for not doing anything. He got punished for not getting after it. Now listen, if the master, and and don't you know that the master in the parable is God, If the master had wanted to, he could have left them detailed instructions about exactly what they were to do every single day. Couldn't he? But he didn't. He didn't. He called them to be good stewards of what he had given them. So young people, listen. Listen, you don't have to find out what God's will for your life is. You don't have to find that. What He wants you to know, He's told you. What He wants you to know, He's told you. And what He wants you to do in the day-to-day decisions that you have to make, even the big ones, like, should I marry her? Even in the big ones is to be a good steward, to be a wise steward. That's what He wants you to do. And there's not a formula. There's not a spell. There is not a recipe. And anybody who tries to tell you there is, is full of it. And listen, 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 young people. You might burn a cake sometime. And that's not the end of the world. You understand what I'm saying? If you get to cooking, you're going to burn something. But you're cooking. And you know what? If you never burn anything, you know what that means? You're not even cooking. You're not even trying. What you need, listen, what you need is not to find God's will for your life as if that's some sort of hidden thing. What you need to do, listen, what you need to do is to obey God's revealed will and quest, quest after wisdom. And we're almost done. Please look in your Bible over to the first book of the Kings. First Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. The wisest man, Solomon, became king at a very young age. And if you look there in chapter 3 and verse 7, he prayed and he said, And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in, and thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people." that it cannot be numbered or counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast thou asked for the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment, Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall arise any like unto thee. Solomon asked God for wisdom on how to live his life, how to govern God's people, and God gave it to him. God answered his prayer. God gave it to him. And you know that in our Bibles, in the Old Testament, we have what are called wisdom books. And don't you know who wrote a lot of those? Solomon wrote most of them. And young people, listen. There is a New Testament promise to the people of God. In his epistle to the church, the Apostle James writes, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given him. James chapter 1, verse 5, that's the New International Version. It will be given him. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. James says, ask, and it will be given. I'm not promising you that, but Christ's apostle is. James says, Christian, if you know that you need wisdom, ask God. And He will give it to you. He'll give it to you. And listen, we all need wisdom. We all do. So young people, two things. I love you. I want you to flourish. I want you to blossom and bloom and Bear fruit. And I urge you this afternoon not to buy into the false idea that you should be seeking some secret that God has hidden from you. If God has hidden something from you, you're not going to find it. You don't need to find His will. He's told you what He wants you to know, He's told you. And if you're a child of God, listen, He has great plans for you. Great plans for you. And He wants you to love Him. And to love His people. And to live your life according to wisdom. And He's given you wisdom in the Holy Scriptures. In the presence of His Holy Spirit. That He's given to you. And in what Solomon called the instruction of thy father and the law of thy mother. Samuel, does your mother have any laws? Well, saints of God, you older ones, listen, th- this isn't just for our children, it- it's for us as well. And let's not buy into false conceptions of what, I, what God offers. Ideas rooted in charismatic foolishness. Let's seek God's wisdom and get on. Let's get on with it. Get on with living our lives, doing justice, loving mercy, showing kindness, and walking humbly with our God. And let's not make things complex which are really pretty simple. And let us never mark it or merchandise the gospel when we've been freely, it's been freely given to us. I'm not selling any books. Are there things you'd like to add or discuss? Some of you young ones might can tell. This was a challenge to me years ago. I felt like I had to find something, and God just wouldn't show it to me. And I realized different, Hannah.
1: When I was uh, obviously, when I was little, I went through a lot of stuff. when I was a kid that was in a really scary situation. And I, when you're in a place where there's violence and there's terror, and you don't know what to expect, you want control, and you want some sort of power. And that's when God irresistibly called me when I was little and I was out of control. And I was being told I was responsible for my whole family, but I'm a little kid. God told me, no, I'm, I'm in charge and you're safe. And I got to feel that peace that surpasses understanding where he tells me, it's going to be okay and I'm going to pull you through even though nothing makes sense, even though you have no power. Um, and that led me through very scary situation and then when I was a little bit older and my dad was in prison and things were kind of really hard and was going through puberty, that's when one of those churches that comes to you like you know, like the snake in the garden goes, Hey, um, we have this we we have this thing where you do this and this and this and this and we'll all work together with God and you know we can we can go ahead and, and um, have this assurance and this assurance and this assurance. Through these works If we do these steps And we follow these rules We can have these assurances And even though I knew better It's, it's tempting when you feel powerless mm-hmm. To buy into these lies That you can know for sure What's going to happen in your life right. And you can have some agency over it So you buy that lie that And you become Your pride gets tested Because it is pride in a sense Because you have that power You feel like you're taking power Over your situation in, the, in this place And you become your own little G-God and you don't realize it when you're in the midst of that if you're not deeply in your Bible. And if you are deeply in your Bible, you don't feel right in those churches, in those walking, if you're praying for discernment. And what I did was I prayed for discernment because it didn't feel right. And everyone in that church was depressed and miserable and in cycles. And I and I could see that. They were suffering, the pastor was suffering. And I prayed for discernment and I fled that church eventually. But it was a long time of being in that church thinking I feeling grief and anxiety that I didn't feel when I was a kid in terror. I was feeling in this church mm-hmm. and I shouldn't have been because Christ said he's got this so when I'm out of that I'm no longer in this place where I feel like I'm going to die and I'm miserable and I don't want to feel anything anymore I'm, not, I'm terrified I have fled it and I'm back in peace I'm back in the word I'm back in, in his truth that I'm safe and that he's going to meet my need if I follow him in faith because especially when you're younger you're right Like I'm in, I'm at, in college all my professors are saying you can't have a baby it will ruin your life I'm like, if God is giving me a blessing, me with a, a marriage that's fruitful, and I have a child, that's a blessing. He's going mm-hmm. to meet the need, and He did, and He's continued to meet my needs as I've had children, even when I have other things that come in at me, and I have people telling me this is not wise and this is stupid, and you need to change your mind. And I could easily say, oh, I can follow your path, and I'll get exactly what I need at this, at these milestones, you know, because they have it all printed out and it looks so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, you should be making all this money, and you should do all these things, and if you followed my plan, you'd do it. Well, I've only ever had peace in God's. right, I've only ever had peace when I've obeyed Him and let go of that pride that I will know. And as much as my flesh wants to know and have that power and that assurance in, in something I can physically do, I've only ever had peace when I let it go, when I'm not in charge. And I've also been blessed by the unfortunate... Um, viewing of my father seeking Christian perfection and other, other doctrine that has destroyed him over and over again. I've seen cycles and cycles and cycles, and it's been, even though it's horrifying to watch, it's been a blessing to me because I don't have to live that way. I can see that that is destructive, and that is going to fall apart when, when every time I've just let it all go and said, okay, God's going to meet the need, that's when I've been most blessed, and that's when I've been in most peace, even when it doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, I agree. I agree over and over again. It's pretty, if you're paying attention, it's there, but it's very easy to be drawn into, I can solve this.
0: Oh, well, that's exactly right. It's not a big moneymaker, though.
1: Mm-hmm. No. And then, like, I've, we've had friends, and they've gone right back into whatever is, like, a system being sold to them that will give them answers. They'll give them routines. And just saying the right thing, you repeat after me, and then they'll have it done for them. I think they want
0: that too, rather than just that work of trusting. Well, young ones, I had a mentor who used to tell me, "Keep your hand on the wall on your wallet." And he used to tell me, "The best place for your money." Is in your left hip pocket. Then you need to realize everybody's after it. They're after your money. And they're after your life. And your life represents your money. Or your money represents your life. And don't spend it foolishly. Spend your life and spend your money wisely. Brother Tim Weber, would you dismiss us please?
2: Although we're grateful for the enlightenment of your words in where we know that we can rest easy in your sovereign life for our lives, and um, that your will for us is always right and good. And even things happen that, that we don't quite comprehend or quite understand. Uh, we know that our feelings may lead us in one direction, but we know Lord, that your will is there to guide us back to center. And we know that in all things, whatever your will, <clears throat> whatever part of our lives, Father, that we're going through right now, we know that you have done for us you have prepared the path righteousness for us to take. And your rod and your staff that guide us and they comfort us. And we can rest in your will, thank God, and not our emotions and not our will. Um, for it is you who works in us both to will and to do your good pleasure. And we ask that you will help us to constantly remember that in the, of the world it tempts us to want to follow our own heart or our own way ways of ruin and destruction and misery. Lord, help our minds be set on things above and not things of this world. And as we live in this world, Father, help our lives to be a living testament and testimony to obedience to your will. Thank you, Father, for your word that enlightens our hearts and minds. And may the Father do that but may it also... Got our feet and our hands we can We ask all this in this name.